How's it going? And welcome to episode 146 of On The Wire. Proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. You can follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. I am Adam Howe. You can follow me at 80 Grid. That's all spelled out. Of course, Kevin Hastings is at Hasting Kevin on the Twitter, and we are back once again in January. If it's like, I don't know. I, I'm probably the only one that feels like this. Like I understand that things are getting closer, but I just I don't feel like we're that they're any closer than we were last week. It's like it's I'm at this point in January where it's just going at a snail's pace, Kevin. <laughs> it's like it can't come. Spring training can't come soon enough. It's like I want it to be tomorrow. All I all I'm doing is hanging my hat on the fact that we have PitchCon at the end of the month. I'm like, all right, great. Just just reaching out to the next baseball mecca of a space um, that I can. And right now, that's PitchCon at the end of the month. So I don't know how you're feeling about it. How you doing? Yeah, I, I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well, Adam. Uh, yeah, PitchCon two weeks two weeks away. Can't wait. Uh, I, I'm the opposite. I feel like all of a sudden I feel behind. <laughs> I feel like I'm behind on everything. I start thinking I'm, I, I was double checking my, my flights to Vegas, my room reservations in Vegas, double checking on, on that just yesterday. And it, you know, that that's only two months away. So yeah, all of a sudden I'm feeling like Gosh, all these things I said I was going to do this off season, uh, I really need running to out of time to do it. it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and I brought it up last week at the end of the show, and uh, I think that was kind of the 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 wake up call even for myself. I thought that you know I've been I've been keeping up on things throughout the off season and doing a uh, a few drafts here and there and and updating all my stuff, getting it where I want to be. And now I'm thinking, wow, uh, I, I have two months, maybe less before I, I really need all of this to be done. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. You know what it is too? Is I think uh, we've gone now a week and a half without being actively um, participating in one of our listener leagues. Um, so I think all I really need is to start activating another 12 teamer just to get it filled really quick and get that going. Cause I'm not in a current, I'm not in a draft right now. And that's weird. <laughs> I, I exactly. I've been tempted a couple of times. Yeah. So I, I did. I did sign up for the NFBC Champions League. I saw that. Uh, that well, so right. I, I have a couple of to be determined draft times: the the online championship and the draft champions. I was really tempted to jump in an online championship a couple of nights ago. I decided to wait, <laughs> but I think I and I I am going to get a DC going. Uh, and, and get that knocked out, and then we're we're kind of in between, right? Between waiting until we know everything, but and mm-hmm. drafting early when when the there can be some really big values, kind of the best of both worlds right now. So I think I'm gonna go ahead and knock that DC out here shortly, and then yeah, it's time to get another listenerly going. Shout out to uh, Bubba and Ryan Bloomfield. Yes, they, they, they got some uh, listener leagues going on that we're gonna. I'm gonna hop in. I, I think you seem a little I, interested as well. I threw my review down. Uh, that was that yeah. was their caveat. You gotta go give them a, a review on. Uh, I believe on Apple Podcast. I don't think it matters. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. But you know what? Just listen to their pod. <laughs> and, exactly. That's uh, the only place they've talked about it. I hope we don't get in trouble for this. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're pushing them to listen to the, the, the show. You guys should be doing that exactly. already. If you're listening to our show and you're not listening to theirs, I'm not, you know. Something's wrong, yeah. You're doing something wrong, yeah. So go listen to them. 
but they're doing auctions and that is that on nfpc which is really cool because i have not dipped my toe into that uh, that aspect of the platform yet and so at that you know just like ours at the exactly the low price point easy easy access um to try that out and uh yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, I can get in one of those. I, I have a feeling I'll be doing uh, the online auction championship drafts next season after dipping toes in in, in <laughs> theirs uh, at the lower price point. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, let, let's let's get into it. Then we got a couple of news items. Not, you know, it's not as deep as it has been in previous episodes, but there's still plenty to talk about. Still signings happening. Uh, no trades that I could tell. At least not worth talking about right now. All right, let's start with one of the bigger signings of the of the day that happened most recently. Uh, I think officially, I think it was as of yesterday as we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, and that is, of course, Shota Imanaga coming over and signing with the Chicago Cubs. Not the Giants, not the Red Sox, not the Yankees. A whole lot of back and forth on Twitter about that. Uh, a lot of uh, upset Giants fans. Sorry, Bubba. Uh, but, you know, Sarah Sanchez out there, Probably pretty happy about the signing. Jen Hoyer actually doing something uh, this offseason for the Cubs. And he'll presumably be, you know, top three starter in that rotation for the Cubs. Um, very interesting contract as well. As, as I look it over, Jesse Rogers reporting that uh, it's a nice, it's an interesting opt out opportunity after the second year. So it's a four year deal with the opportunity of becoming a five year deal, possibility of being a two year deal um, with a whole lot of different uh, opt out options both for the cubs and for imanaga and it would be it would be behoove of me not to remind everybody as nick pollock has pointed out a couple times you can't spell imanaga without spelling out i'm an aga or an ace is gonna ace so uh what uh, do you have that kind of expectation as imanaga comes over and transitions into major league baseball for the first time um getting you know in between 50 and 60 million dollars for four years you'd expect them at least to be in you know sp3 range how, how are you how are you expecting um him to produce in his first season i'm always concerned with guys first year and, and sometimes even a couple of years coming over adjustments new culture new, new home all all that kind of thing um i i don't know if this really does carry any weight or not but in my mind it does help a little bit that he's older he's a little you know a few years older than yamamoto i think he'll be 31 years old as as the season goes on for 2024 in my mind hopefully that helps him out a little bit so yeah i think and like you alluded to hats off to the cubs i think and uh, unless it's like the yamamoto situation where their camp came up with uh, uh seemingly the all the deferred money yamamoto wanted this is pretty unique as you said the cubs can add a year but it costs them 27 million to add that year yamamoto at the same at, at the same time they have that opportunity can opt out and i think that's Imanaga, after both sure. seasons yeah. 2 and 3 so yeah, I, 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 I think this is probably a, a, a nice spot for him. Hopefully, he's comfortable. A uh, little older, uh, he he led the league in strikeouts uh, in in PB, not not Yamamoto. So, Imanaga led the league in strikeouts this last season. 
Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I, I think I brought the same thing up when we talked about Yamamoto. I've, I've, I've had him in my queue in, in probably every draft I'm in. He's went just a little earlier than I was ready to. Uh, I do hope to hopefully draft him on a team or two. Yeah, uh, and the the steamer projections, 148 innings, 26 starts. Sure. Looks sure looks <laughs> about right to me, right? I, we really don't know. Uh, we're just guessing, but I, I I like what I've heard from people that do more, do know more about guys coming from NPB and uh, KBO. So, yeah, yeah. I think I I I I was able to pull the trigger on Imanaga. I think twice in the you know I think five or six drafts that I've completed so far. Um, it wasn't I wasn't stretching out for him. Um, you know, I, I still have Jake Mason in my ear talking about, uh, you know, the transition, those players that are made those transitions and and how those have, you know, how those ratios have translated in the first year. Um, and, you know, his, he's shown obviously an electric fastball, um, but the control has always been not so much a concern. I mean, this was the concern that we keep, that we've heard from. Uh, beat reporters talking about why the Yankees ended up souring on him, not worried about his fly ball tendencies in Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, obviously it would have been fine to see him do that in San Francisco. Uh, the Wrigley Field is, you know, the friendly confines kind of works both ways. It's not that bad of a ballpark. Um, as and if you have, if you're not listening to it, listen to, you know, the plus pitch podcast with Nick Pollock as he's going through every single team's rotations. He just did the Cubs rotations. We talked about that at length, especially with, uh, between Jameson Tyon, who he also just talked to. Uh, you can listen to that interview on the talking pitching podcast. Um, but also, in length with the Imanaga deal just happening. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan. I think where you're going to end up having to grab him, um, he's not going to do anything to hurt you um, as well. Granted, a signing always brings people up, so we'll kind of see how that affects his ADP, um, where you're going to get him. So get in that DC now, Kevin. Uh, see if yeah. you can. <laughs> that, that's what I was late. just looking at, actually. So it over the past four weeks there have been 16 draft champions in fbc leagues ended so 16 league sample size here he's going just after you darvish and lucas giolito and then a whole bunch of relievers go before we start seeing emmett sheehan brian bayo uh christopher sanchez tristan mckenzie so uh, unless he skyrockets too much and i don't really know that a signing in wrigley field for a pitcher that we knew was going to sign somewhere is going to send it up too far other than just remind everybody of his name so yeah i i, I think he's going in about the right spot probably yeah all right let's move to the other big hit uh the the, the big hitting uh signing that we saw happen which I think it was a little surprising to me that it was only a one-year deal. I'm talking about Teoscar Hernandez signing a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers because, of course, they did. Uh, in $23.5 million later, we they have a new, presumably, left fielder uh, because you know their DH spot is pretty much uh, tied up at the moment and for quite some time. I mean, are you surprised to see him get the one-year deal? Um, do you think this is more of, hey, I have the opportunity to play for what 
on paper looks like to be one of the best teams in baseball almost ever <laughs> and going for that like that team win record or whatever um opportunity to play in the playoffs is it more of that for hernandez or do you think this is you know i can get the most amount of money for one season and then maybe that can catapult me into that four-year deal that he wanted um a lot of the rumors going around before that where you know teams weren't willing to go past two maybe three years and I mean, obviously he's still at an age where he really wants to be able to solidify that, you know, four to five year contract if he can get it. Yeah, that that's exactly what I think. I think he got, even though uh, a little over a third of the, the contract is deferred, he got close to in this one year deal, probably what he was being offered for those two year deals. And so how can we not like, how can we not like this landed spot for him? Sure, he might hit a little lower in the order, but there's about 20 teams where he could be hitting third or fourth and not get as many plate appearances as he can get hitting sixth or seventh <laughs> for the Dodgers. So that I think it's great. He's one of the few right-handed bats in the lineup. Uh, I don't think he will be affected by their, their playing matchups as much as some of the other outfielders uh, on the team. Uh, I, I think this is great. I mean, we, we talked about this quite a bit uh, recently. You know, 26 home runs, seven stolen bases, hitting 258, and we were disappointed in, in that season. Now, will he get 678 plate appearances? Maybe if he stays healthy. Uh, but it's I I think I think that's his floor. I think the RBI and run scored go up in this lineup, even if he is in that six, seven spot, maybe even hitting fifth versus left-handed pitching to, to boost his plate appearances just a little bit. So yeah, I, I, I'm very happy with the teams I have already drafted him on. Obviously in this case, I think his, his ADP does rise fairly significantly. Uh, so I'm extremely happy that I'd already drafted him in a couple of spots. I, I, I guess I'm a little worried that going into a lineup like this, like the Dodgers, rather than going to a team that has some glaring holes that he could take advantage of as far as playing time goes, will provide him with an opportunity opportunity is not the right word, but an opportunity to lose playing time, to lose plate appearances as a right-handed bat um, in, in a lineup where, as you mentioned, there are a lot of left-handed options um, that will probably be in more of a platoon than you would want Hernandez to be giving them more of an opportunity to, you know, give him time to rest, not, not, not bat against uh, as many righties as maybe he would have, in a team that had a little bit more opportunity, is that unfounded? Are you is that should that be a concern at all, or is this production just going to be that good when he's in the field? That doesn't really matter. That's what I think. I think he bounces back. So if, if you look at his stat lines, they're they're very similar. Um, you know, over the past full seasons and and even uh, uh, twenty twenty shortened season, probably even even better if you prorate it out. But it took him. Nearly a hundred more plate appearances than than he'd had in his career uh, to, to to get there to those numbers this last season. And like I said, I think that's his floor. If he gets back to the production he had the previous two seasons, uh, then then the 
the lower plate appearances, he's going to end up 25 to 30 home runs, uh, not zero stolen bases. Although, you know, the, the five to 10 isn't what it used to be, but it's not zero decent batting average, even a batting average that could help slightly on our fantasy teams and, and, you know, 70 to 80 runs, 70 to 80 RBI. I think that's what we're looking at. And that's what we were used to from him. It's all we got last year. It just took a lot more plate appearances to get it. Yeah. That's a fair assessment there as well. Um, All right, let's go back to a pitching signing here. Kevin going over to the East coast, the Mets get their guy. Uh, in a way, <laughs> they get a guy. Uh, Sean Manaya leaves San Francisco, gets a, you know, a two-year. I use air quotes here. A two-year deal, twenty-eight million dollar deal. They he does have an opt-out after the first year, basically making it a player option for that second year. Um, so he could become a free agent if he has an amazing season and really, you know, they really push him to the limit and he does really good things. He could opt out and hopefully get that, you know, multi-year deal that, you know, everybody's going to, everybody wants. Um, Shamanaya with the Mets and all the rumors are that, of course, if you, if you, if you're not doing this as well, you're doing something wrong. But uh, as, as you probably read in the newest mining the news by Jeff Zimmerman, uh, it looks as though the Mets are done with their rotation. Um, so obviously Manaya is in there. Is he going to be given enough opportunity by the Mets in a different way that he than the opportunity he was given by the Giants to you know go five innings to put up put up innings in general volume his way into relativity um, in twelve seamers? I think so. I, I think we're probably looking at one hundred fifty innings or so. That steamer has him at one forty eight right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean that was our question. We talked about him throughout the offseason as well. Where does he end up? What's his role going to be? Is he going to move back and forth a little bit like he did with the Giants and, and performed fair, fairly well uh, for the Giants in that role? Good ballpark. The, I, I think, as, you know, that I, I I am guilty of this myself. We, we we like to make fun of the Mets if we're not Mets fans, right? Uh, but I'm pretty sure Mets fans make fun of the Mets too. That's yeah, cool. That, you know, it, it, <laughs> Throw, throwing all the money at, at players last offseason didn't work out for them, and they let some of them move on at the dra- trade deadline. This is still a pretty darn good lineup, pretty decent rotation. The Mets are going to win some games, sure. They're in the same division as Atlanta and Philadelphia, who probably project to be better teams. Uh, but the Mets are going to win some ball games, and he's you know the the three or four in this rotation and 150 innings. Uh, I, I think this this is an instance where the price. I, I think again. Uh, probably does go up a little bit because I think most people do believe that he is going to be in the starting rotation. And and that was a question with where he landed. In in 12-team leagues, which you asked me about, he's not being drafted. His Mm -hmm. minimum pick in the DCs is 362. Um, there, there have been a, a, a handful of 12 team online championships drafted. I could pull that up, uh, to see if he has been drafted real quick, but you know, his ADP, his men pick in DCs is after the final pick in what a 12 team right. 30 round draft would be. 
So I think he's worth a shot late here. Uh, he probably does jump up into the late rounds of those drafts as a starter for one of the more one of the larger fan bases in baseball. But uh, it, in my opinion, it's worth a shot. Yeah, you gotta wonder where he's gonna be in that opening rotation. Um, you know, just because you're the best pitcher doesn't necessarily mean you're, you know, a top one or two guy. Just how spring training ended up working out, the schedule and and and, and how those guys are being uh stretched out. So I guess I wonder if Manai is gonna get a start in that opening weekend uh for the Mets and if he's worth, you know, drafting in a 12 teamer just to get that start. Um, or fabbing him in that first uh, fab period before you know post Korea games start. Uh, just you know, strategy to think about how you're utilizing those last two or three picks, especially in a twelve teamer, where you're going to be able to stream in and out guys off the wire, especially early on. Uh, how you want to utilize that? You're going to want to get production and not have to you know spend the fab to get that kind of production if you're doing those uh fab leaks early on like we have been yeah all right we- and in in the the online championship there's only been four of them he was drafted in one of the online championships which is a 12 team league so far so yeah he's available in the, in those last round or two there you go all right, we got a couple of smaller uh, deals happening um, as of recent, and we'll uh, or just some news to talk about. We'll get to those things, and then we're going to talk about Steamer Six Hundred projections right after this break. All right, one of those smaller deals. I feel like it happened a long time ago, but it just never got really reported on at all. Um, like all of a sudden, I saw this tweet, and I'm like, "Hey, this tweet is like really old, and nobody's talking about it." Probably for good reason, but it's still a name that we're all aware of and we probably should continue to be aware because of where he ended up. And that's Zach Plesak signed a one-year deal, $1 million with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, You know, roster resources got him right now as the long reliever slash sixth man in the rotation if it was a six-man rotation. Uh, Because of the rest of the guys that are in that rotation and the injury history that they all, almost all of them have. Um, are, are you expecting to see, please that kind of jump into that role or be valuable in a long relief role for them where he's able to eat innings, possibly, you know, vulture some wins if the angels are going to win any games um, or what kind of expectations do you have here? Um, or is this like, maybe a late round dc option at best i don't even want him on a dc there you go uh no uh, you know many many will tell you that uh they completely just toss out 2020 uh for a lot of players if there is anybody i just toss out 2024 it's it's the 55 innings that we saw zach please zach be relevant in 2020 he's been a horrible pitcher every other inning he's thrown of his career i have zero interest all right that's uh, that's why i got one million dollars <laughs> for the angels um after right. you know being out. and that's why we haven't talked about this signing in for, in for so long um yeah i mean i just think that there's a possibility he gets extra innings with the angels than he wouldn't have gotten anywhere else and uh, you know Something then, to watch. Then I'm going to start maybe on other people's DFS and, and stacking against him <laughs> when that happens. There it is. There it is. That's a matchup we want to be looking for. All right. Um, 
Another, uh, let's go with the signing that happened most recently. Again, going back to the Dodgers, they signed a minor league deal with Eliza Hernandez, formerly, of course, of the Marlins. Uh, the Dodgers, you know, we 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 use the term Dodgeritis all the time. Um, it wasn't as relevant last year because it was more about a necessity than it was at a strategy, kind of moving guys in and out of the rotation and trying to, you know, piece together what they could uh, with their injuries and whatnot. I mean, is Eliza a minor league deal? Um, so obviously, you know, there's no guarantee, but with all the guys that they do have kind of coming up between Sheehan and, and, and others, um, Michael Grove and what have you, do you see, you know, Hernandez coming back from his injury and coming back to actually produce on what potentially is going to be a very winning ball club in an opportunity to, you know, spot start here or there to do enough to kind of get the Ryan Pepio treatment. Whereas like he does enough to like, hold on to a spot where you get excited about it because we were excited about Hernandez for a long time, right? With Miami, they had a lot of potential, obviously injuries and what have you have derailed a lot of that. And hence his minor league deal he's doing with the Dodgers. But really, I, I mean, there, this seems like this, there's not, there wasn't that many better places that this could happen for somebody like him. Are you interested in, in Hernandez in, in in the role that he's currently has with the Dodgers, um, not in drafting him, even even in draft champions, just we we don't know. But uh, this is a, a great spot for him to land. Uh, you referenced uh, Jeff Zimmerman's got a, a a new edition of his mining the news out. Sounds like the Dodgers may not call it a six man rotation, but the 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 rotation is going to get the rest as if they mm-hmm. were a six man rotation. So guys like Eliza Hernandez in, in certain weeks may, may come up and, and get these spot starts. And that's going to be something worth keeping an eye on how he performs in spring training as a non-roster invitee, uh, assuming that they do, start him off back in the minors so that he's getting some innings and building up arm strength. They can use him for depth in the bullpen if they need to. Uh, and and then just, you know, it, it's definitely going to be worth watching. Uh, like you said, we were excited about him for a couple of seasons. He just hasn't been healthy. Uh, we haven't seen him at the major league level since 2022. We've only seen about, you know, 130 innings uh, over going back through season 2020. So, yeah, it's, it's somebody worth keeping an eye on, especially because of one, like you mentioned, the history of the Dodgers and, and how they uh, use their their staff. And two, the fact that they probably are going to rest the entire rotation throughout the season. Yeah, that, I mean that's the, the interesting part to me. I I agree that you know it's not. I don't expect Hernandez to like kind of do enough to stick as a regular component of that rotation, but I do expect them to be utilizing him in that almost like secondary rotation that they're going to have mm-hmm. when inevitably there are injuries, when there are inevitably you know, rest that needs to happen, when they you know, want to make sure that Bueller has you know bullets in the gun come the playoffs 
not so much in April. So maybe this is more opportunity that we see him um, in the early in the season. And so kind of like to push those innings around for everybody else throughout the course of the end of the season. We'll see how the Dodgers handle it. I like to see, obviously, you're, a lot of it's going to depend on how he performs in spring training, as you mentioned, as a non-roster invitee. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a guaranteed spot anyway. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, makes the m- makes the trip to Korea in that first two-game series or, like, who makes that roster and if he's utilized in any capacity um, in the spotlight there. Uh, again, it all hinges on what he does in spring training and who he impresses or doesn't impress. All right, last thing here, we got some news out of White Sox camp. Uh, Chris gets uh, talking about Garrett Crochet's role heading into 2024. Um, of course, Crochet, uh, one of the top picks in the draft a couple of years ago and then made his way up to the majors fairly quickly um, and really hasn't panned out as a starter. But now he will be stretched out as a starter. Uh, we'll see how long that takes. He made a co- gets made a couple of comments about that's probably going to be a little bit longer of a process than anybody would like. But the fact is that they, the White Sox, have a whole bunch of holes everywhere, um, including in their rotation. And Gro- and Crochet ultimately was drafted to fill one of those holes. So now he might have that opportunity. Uh, Steamer 600, we're going to talk about it later on today. So that's why I want to leave this last nice little segue. Uh, of course, it's not just 600 plate appearances. They also do the projections for pitchers as well. For starting pitchers, they give 200 innings. And for relievers, they give 65. So they still have Crochet, of course, in that reliever bucket. Um, but still projecting him with the you know K, um, K per nine along the same lines as Kodai Senga, Chris Sale, stars like that, and a whole bunch of other relievers as well. Um, is I mean I don't even I don't even know how to ask this question, Kevin, but it's like because it's the White Sox, and I know the answer to are you interested in this player? Insert White Sox player here, but Crochet definitely a prospect that's had a lot of potential. Uh, could he take advantage of this? Do you do you see him being the type of player that can take advantage of this stretching stretching himself in a proper way and you know. Perf- performing throughout the course of the season that at least gets you to, you know, pay attention. Yes. Um, as I, I'm surprised as interested as I am much like you framed the question, right? Uh, I, I am, I'm intrigued here. We just don't know. Uh, we, we did see a, a few innings out of him, 13 appearances in 2023 after not seeing him all of 2022, uh, they they weren't as good of innings. Obviously, very very small sample size. They weren't as as good as the fifty some innings we saw in twenty twenty one. He's still only twenty four years old. He it'll be his age twenty five season, but he's not turning twenty five and just barely will make the cutoff uh, right before July first to for it to be his age twenty five season. It's it's going to be intriguing and definitely something I'm going to watch. Um, I don't think I maybe maybe I would be interested very very late in a draft champions league. Uh, as we've talked throughout the off season, uh, many of our guests have brought it up, in, including Derek Butcher of NFBC. You you need reinforcements coming in the second half. 
And if they would get him stretched out a little bit and he gets some starts late in the season, maybe maybe he could help out a draft champions team. Probably not interested, but I I I will consider it. He'll be somebody I'm looking at, you know, when we're going 750 players deep. But I am very intrigued by this for some reason, in spite of it being the White Sox. <laughs> I, I would say this is the roster resources pr- uh, projected rotation for the Chicago White Sox. Um, Dylan Cease, who's still on the roster, Eric Fede, Michael Kopech, Michael Soroka, and then Chris Flexen, who they just signed recently. All righties, an entire right-handed rotation. So Crochet has that going for him, not as though there's going to be a big hurdle for him talent-wise to push any of these, at least one, if not multiple, of these guys out of the rotation if he performs well and and actually shows that he's stretched out. So I I do believe that this isn't just posturing. Like He is going to be stretched out. He is going to get that opportunity. It'll be up to him to just not fall on his face and and fail um, and take advantage of that situation. Um, And they have plenty of lefties in that bullpen. Not that it matters right. all that as well. So they're not going to be missing them in that scenario. So the opportunity is there. Um, I, I, I believe them. And when they say he's going to be stretched out, because we hear this a lot. Like, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, we've heard this a lot uh, recently, you know, with, you know, Darren Houck and Garrett Wicklock, and you're just not knowing what their role is going to be, no matter what they say they it's going to be. Um, this one, it seems a little bit more clear cut. It seems a little bit more, a little bit more obvious that, hey, what they're saying is true. All the stars are aligned. It's a bad team with a lot of opportunity. This is what Crochet had, you know, was drafted to do eleventh overall um, in his draft class, uh, and so we'll see how he actually performs because the strikeouts could be there. I mean, the production could be there, and he very well just could piggyback with somebody like Kopech, who is going to, you know throw himself into a three inning start and then they could switch it up with the lefty and crochet and have him go in the next four innings as well. So obviously the wins yeah, it, are going to be difficult, but you know, it, if he, if he can somehow reel in that, that walk rate as he's being stretched out, it, yeah, this is, this is such a fascinating, you know, profile. We said he he threw six innings at double A and six innings at triple A. Okay, I know why am I even bringing that up? Because it was a forty percent strikeout rate and a fifty percent strikeout rate in those two stops. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Uh, Steamer hasn't projected twenty seven percent strikeout rate uh, for the I believe eighty innings. Yeah, eighty one innings they haven't projected for, and it it's. It's amazing, but they also have projected for an 11% uh, walk rate, I believe. Yeah, 11.3% walk rate. Not so great. So, yeah, it, it's this is going to be fun to watch. And and it's it's one of those guys, we talk about this fairly often. We're, we're all cheering for him, right? Things just, nothing has went right for him since mm-hmm. he was drafted 11th overall several years ago. Uh, would love to see him have some success. Yeah, you got to give my car something, something to hang a hat right. on. Yeah, Brett hat. Phillips and, Eli- and uh, Garrett Crochet. You got Brett Phillips, Mike. That's we'll bring up <laughs> Brett Phillips every week if we have to. All right, all right. Uh, that is seems to be plenty of news to talk about today, Kevin. Let's uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, diving into 
the different process, the different um, projections that not everybody talks about when they're talking about projections, especially um, after this episode, we'll probably start seeing a whole slew of other projections coming out. Uh, but we are going to dive into some interesting projections out of the Seamer 600. We'll explain those in a little bit right after this break. All right. Of course, you're still listening to On The Wire. We are going to dive a little bit into the Steamer 600 projections. Of course, they've been out for quite some time now, um, but we kind of focused on what we expect players to do. Hence, we use the traditional uh, projections like the regular Steamer projections or uh, Todd Zola's projections at Masters Ball or you know, the upcoming ATC, the bat, the PLV projections, a whole lot of other projections that are typically taking into account playing time. They're taking into account injury history. They're taking into account how much production they're actually going to put forth. And then what does that production look like? Steamer 600 kind of evens the playing field, right? We give that's hence the name Steamer 600. It gives every batter, whether they're signed or not, 600 plate appearances and if they were given 600 plate appearances based on all the the things they put into their projections this is what they think that they could put forth um of course it's not it's not an exact science because you have to really take into account the platoon options the other players on other teams but this doesn't matter it takes all that out of out of the uh, you don't have to think about that at all on the pitcher side as i mentioned earlier they give 200 innings which obviously Nobody like four guys will do that this year <laughs> um, or they have been at, at least it's been like the case for the last couple of years. And for the reliever known relievers, they give 65 innings. Um, so, again, puts everybody on the same playing field. It gives you an idea of if this if every everything else was created equal, if you had ghost runners, if you if you're playing in your backyard and you made sure everybody had the same amount of time, everybody has the same amount of bat bat stuff like that. This is what they would do with their talent level. So, Kevin. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into some noticeable projections that I noticed uh, on the on the Steamer 600, um, how how do you use Steamer 600 in in such a way where you're like you know these guys are, like a good chunk of them, like, especially a lot of them that we're going to talk about, they're not going to hit 600 plate appearances, so you know that they're not going to give you 30 home runs or you know 90 something RBIs. Um, you know they're either going to get injured or you know they're going to be in the platoon or or what have you. But what benefit do you get out of looking like, are you just are you just holding on to these as like a dream? I'm dreaming on 600 plate appearances and what they could volume their way. We say this a lot. I, I say this a lot. If only they could get extra extra play appearances, they could volume their way into relevancy. Um, I, like so how how useful are these projections in your mind? I love taking a look at at Steber 600. Just first of all, just at at first glance, just get an idea. Uh, lots of times, uh, it, if you pull up Steamer 600 and sort by stolen bases, you're going to be surprised. You you might even see guys near the top of the list that you've never heard of. Guys that Steamer projects actually to play three or four games. But if they were yep, yep. at the major league level and in the lineup for 600 <laughs> plate appearances, they'd steal 55 bases, right? Yeah. Spoiler uh, alert. So that, we're not going to talk about the top guy on that list today. So I will just throw right. it out there. Billy Hamilton still <laughs> leading the league in stolen bases. Um, and that would be amazing. 
<laughs> but so it, it it gives us an idea one it, it's something we can do with the regular projections as well but when we're it's an even 600 it's really easy with just in our head okay per per plate appearance what what are we looking at or what if he gets 300 plate appearances just cut it in half 450 what do we got it, it just makes it a little easier to look at that i think the big advantage to looking at steamer 600 in this day and age of major league baseball teams playing matchups more and more platoon players is who who do we want to keep an eye on for when they have the matchups in a week where they are going to get more plate appearances maybe enough in a week that would be on a 600 pace for the season that that's where there's big value in my mind makes it really easy to quickly look and see okay this guy he's a 30 home run 20 stolen base guy if he's getting 600 plate appearances he's on the short side of platoon but they're facing three lefties this weekend definitely want to pick this guy up on sunday night fab get him in my lineup for the weekend that that's where it's really valuable in my mind yeah it's, we I talk a lot about the volume of these right like if of course we're talking about the counting stats we're talking about runs rbis strikeouts etc cetera, etc cetera. um but I mean, I think the ratios that for me, looking at the Seamer 600 and looking at the ratios and not just ERA or batting average, but also strikeout rate and walk rate um, kind of gives you a better sense of, all right, like if you sort, if you, <laughs> I just did this just now because it was just funny to watch, look at, but like if you sort the Seamer 600 by strikeout percentage, um, these are all the guys that if they're going to get 600 plate appearances, this is probably what they're going to strike out at. And so you have, they're all minor leaguers. They're all guys that obviously either aren't going to get a look at the majors or they have the most minimal look at all if they don't make some kind of adjustment. Um, but like Andy Cullen of the Houston, in the Houston system, over a 50% K rate. This shows me that if I had any interest in taking a stab at one of these prospects at, in a late in a DC, bye-bye like no 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 <laughs> like because first and foremost we talk about you know the 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 impact that the ratios can have on your team goes up obviously with more playing time um and so catchers you know don't hurt your average as much as you would think just because they're not giving you as much playing time etc cetera, etc cetera. uh but then at the same time you know, you have somebody like Juan Soto, who's the topic of conversation um, in the past and ongoing that because he walks so much uh, that his batting average doesn't actually impact you as much as you would, you know, as much as you would think. Um, and so but this, I mean, this tells me like these are the guys that are projected to, if given the opportunity, strike out all the time, which means they're not going to get the opportunity. That's like the less right. likely um, uh, scenario. Um uh, another way they can reel us back in is it, I know steamer is very conservative, typically, not always. In fact, it I really I really take a real close look when they're not seemingly conservative on a prospect coming mm -hmm. up. But when when you look like Jason Dominguez, for example, right? We we've talked 
multiple times this offseason is he's somebody we want to stash for when he comes back right bryce harper got back right around the all-star break a little earlier than we expected same thing do we want to stash him steamer 600 so 600 plate appearances for jason dominguez they have him 17 home runs 18 stolen bases if we're talking 200 plate appearances it, it I, am I do I care about that? That's not somebody I want to be stashing for months on my roster, right? So uh, again, another another way in addition to what you're talking about that they can kind of uh reel us back in from from what our perception of what our expe- expectations might be. Yeah, fair. Um yeah, on the opposite side, it's like like I mentioned on the pitching side, we know that none of these pitchers minus four, maybe 10 at, at most are going to hit that 200 inning mark. Um, so how many, how useful is that scenario? It's like, like it's, n- it's, you can dream on all these pitchers going over 200 innings or not, not only 200 innings, but 200 strikeouts um, because they kind of go hand in hand at this point. Uh, unless you're, you know, Spencer Strider and what have you and a couple other exceptions. Um, but like it, it it's got to be pretty difficult to kind of glance at this and be not and not be like, whoa, like th- I should be stretching. I should be reaching out for this guy a little bit earlier because if he does stretch himself out to 200 innings, this is what I can be expecting. Um, it seems like it's a little bit more volatile on the pitching side. Um, do you disagree with that? I, I don't. And it it just it's so sad to to pull up the pitching steamer 600 and like could we just get a 200 inning season out of Jacob DeGrom one more time, right? He's, he's still above Spencer Strider all across the board. One more time. I want to see that. It would be nice. That would be nice. Uh, it's not happening this year. Um, <laughs> it's pro- probably not happening. At yeah, I don't, I, I'm not no. stretching. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not losing hope for ever, but yeah, yeah. You're probably, you're probably right on that. Um, all right. So, I went through and kind of uh, cherry picked out a couple of uh, leaders from the Steamer 600, um, and, and I, obviously I'm not I'm not taking guys that are you know going in the first three rounds because you, know, you know their playing time doesn't really uh, the 600 plate appearances for the hitters isn't that far off um, from their actual projection. So that's the whole point of of these uh, the list that I have here, Kevin. I'm going to give you a bunch of names. Um, we'll go name by name, and I want you to rank them on a scale of one to nine. One being a whole lot has to happen for the said player to hit 600 plate appearances. It could be because they're injury prone. It could be because they're in an obvious platoon, that they're a rookie, that they're just on a bad team, that they're not going to you know, go around the, the order. Whatever the reason might be that's going to stop them from getting to 600 plate appearances, a one means they a lot of it has to happen. Um, on the other side, nine means they're a lock. I mean, the, the, this should be what they're projected for. Um, I don't foresee you giving a nine to anybody on this list, but, you know, I could be wrong here. Um, and same thing for the pitchers, for starting pitchers, 200 innings being that uh, that marker that you're looking for. A lot has to happen for them to stay healthy enough, to go deep enough into games throughout the course of the season to hit 200. That's the one. Nine is, you know, I expect them to get pretty close without anything else happening. Um so let's start off with our home run leaderboard here. Of course, at the top of the list, 
is Giancarlo Stanton of the New York Yankees. Is he the DH? Is he the fifth outfielder? I don't know. Uh, that's what I'm asking you for. He is projected. If everybody if everybody has 600 plate appearances, he'd have the fifth most home runs according to Steamer 600 with 36. He'd also have the 11th most RBI. I thought that was noticeable because even with 600 plate appearances, uh, uh, Steamer doesn't really project anybody to hit triple digits in both runs or RBIs. So to get him up there at 92 is significant. Um, I mean, is the is the talent still there? For it to for him to be relevant in a scenario in a format where you're able to pick take him in take him out have IL spots and be able to utilize him like on a daily format league with IL spots like on a Yahoo or CBS or what have you um, or is it just too much of a headache and of course you still got to give him the ranking that I uh, outlined yeah so look, I'm gonna start out with the ranking here we're gonna give this a shot. Um, he he hasn't hit 600 plate appearances in six years, so it's going to be a low number, right? How low? Eh, he he did get to 579 in 2021. He 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 got close, 139 games. I don't think even if he were healthy, I don't think we see 139 games. I think in order to stay healthy. He needs more days off. They also have other players that can benefit from playing in the designated hitter position. And the last thing that that I want to see is Giancarlo Stanton trotting out there in the outfield in New York if I have him on any of my teams. Also, performance the last couple of years. I mean, we we've really seen this batting average tank. Uh, as the strikeout rate has uh, jumped up a little bit, he always had fairly high strikeout rates, but he's got up to that 30% that he, he he was close to in the past, but never really got there. So, you know, I'm looking at it. I really don't think it's going to happen, but I'm not going to say a one here. Uh, two and a half, two to three <laughs> is the number on if he gets to the 600 plate appearances. Highly, highly doubtful, near, near, nearly impossible. However, uh, you know, the, the other questions you asked as you brought him up, if we're looking for power late, he's, he's going outside the, the top 300 over these, these past four weeks, these 16 draft champions drafts that I alluded to earlier. Uh, and he had, he, he went 207. In, in one of them, uh, obviously a, a Yankee fan hopped in that draft, but it, we have seen 31 and 24 home runs from him the last couple of seasons, over 400 plate appearances in both of those seasons. The RBI, always great. That This batting average really hurts. We talk about this with some other players uh, throughout the offseason and throughout the year. The fact that we're not getting a lot of at-bats from him, the batting average doesn't hurt as much, uh, but it, it still is something to consider. Um, you're not going to get any stolen bases. I, I, he's not even going to attempt a stolen base. I'd be willing to to, to wager on that. Uh, so at, at the price, I, I think it, he, he comes into consideration for me here. Um, and... As the reason we're bringing up this conversation that we're having on this episode, 
you, you know, the, the steamer 600 say like on a per plate appearance. He's, if he was playing a full season, he's still a 30 over 35 home run hitter throughout a full season. If he meets these projections, that is something to take a look at in spite of the batting average that since he won't get the 600 plate appearances, doesn't hurt us as much as it could. Yeah. I I'm, I've been typically somebody who is willing to over overlook the, the playing time concerns, the injury concerns, whatnot with Stan in, in, in the past, my concern, not only moving forward, with the injuries, but also with the rest of that roster, the way that it's made up. Um, I mean, we already talked about the, the quote depth of that outfield as it is. Like you already said, he's not being trotted out into the outfield of Yankee stadium. He is that DH, but they have other talented players that are going to need time at DH as well. Not only to give Stan a break, but also to get, keep, like Aaron judges bat in the lineup without putting him in the outfield every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for Stan to be missing to not, not to play like every other day, um, which is going to make him very, really difficult to stream. Never mind roster. It's like, if you want, even in a 12 team league, if he's out there and you're like, Oh great. The, the Yankees have a seven game stint. How many of those seven games, though, is Stanton actually going to play? Um, and yes, per plate appearance, sure, he could still be putting up better numbers than somebody else on the wire who's going to play all seven games. Um, it's just there's too many variables there to worry about that headache. Uh, maybe in a DFS situation or in a daily moves league where you're able to, you know, kick them in and out pretty easily against you know matchups that are going to be pretty obvious uh that sounds great but like in a roto format where you have a lot less flexibility uh even at that price on the draft table it's going to be difficult for me to i haven't pulled the trigger yet and i don't i don't even with the outfield eligibility i will give him that he didn't you know he's got that outfield eligibility still in just about every format which is nice especially in the five outfield situation but you're just taking up so much of that opportunity and that volume that you could be getting elsewhere. Um, and it, it, a lot of it has to do with how you want to manage your team, uh, how many teams you have to manage and how you knowing yourself as a manager um, of your fantasy roster, how you want to actually put the time and effort into doing that um, as well. That's, that's the kind of player he has become. Um, all right. Some more interesting ones going, uh, going forward, we go to Patrick wisdom he is ranked 17th uh, on the home run list on the Steamer 600 with 32. Uh, I mean, looking at his situation, where he's at, uh, first of all, can he can he get to that 600? And is he actually going to do you enough with the with that power number, if you believe it? Um, in 600 plate appearances to offset any of the negatives that he pre bring. I agree with everything you just said about Giancarlo Stanton, and he has a much better chance of getting to 600 plate appearances than Patrick Wisdom. Uh, it, it's, it's the strikeout rate, especially against righties. Now in, in 2023, he, he, he actually did not perform, uh, as much better against lefties as, as we have seen previously in his career but in 422 plate appearances in his career versus left-handed pitching he's got 29 home runs uh so in 
two thirds of a season, basically 29 home runs. Uh, this is kind of the guy I brought up in the example of who I would see uh, for a guy on the short side of a platoon, get some matchups versus some left-handed pitching uh, for half of a week or even a full week in weekly leagues. Definitely somebody to keep a, an eye on in, in daily change leagues and DFS, but uh, yeah, there there is just absolutely no way uh, that he gets anywhere close to 600 plate appearances with a career 37% strikeout rate in one less than 1,300 plate appearances. Plenty to know that this is who he is. So unfortunately, yeah, I, I will give him the one here on the ranking as, as far as uh, I I. I don't see any way he would ever get close to 600 plate appearances, but the, the steamer 600 does give us an idea of what he could do over a full season. So what we can, you know, what kind of player we're looking at when we're throwing him in in much smaller samples, two or three games at a time. And, and I, I, I think, I think this is, just verifying what we thought we knew a bit uh, about Patrick wisdom. I was a little surprised that his numbers weren't better, better uh, versus lefties, especially in 2023 and even for his career, but, but 2023 drug him down quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, performance aside, you also have to consider the roster in which he's playing around, not only being a righty bat on the bench for the, the Cubs, the Cubs have other options coming up. So, even if there were an injury or two or three, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean wisdom's like jumping into that opportunity. You know, stranger things could happen. But yeah, th- this is the benefit of those team or 600 be like, if everything happened. And that's that's why these ranking, that's why I made these rankings the way I did. It's like, all right, it's a one. It, it, there's little to absolutely no chance of it happening. So it's not something you have to spend a whole lot of time on. So we're not going to spend any more time on it. We're going to move on to the next guy on the list, Nolan Gorman uh, and Byron Buxton. I, I'm just looming them together because they have the same amount of home runs projected if they were to hit 600 at 31. Uh, Nolan Gorman obviously dealing with, you know, some working through some injuries from last season as well. Byron Buxton is currently injured. I just know it somehow. Like while we were talking, something happened and now he's injured, unfortunately, knock on wood. Uh but Norlin Gorman is, you know, battling for everyday playing time with the Cardinals, probably at second base with a whole bunch of other guys going, you know, g- dealing with either surgeries or injuries from last season between Brandon Donovan, uh, Tommy Hedman, uh, playing different positions as well. It seems as though Gorman has the more clear cut opportunity to play every day uh, going into 2024. Whether it's and if he were, how, how do you believe the projections that they put forward here um, based on that opportunity? Yeah, this is another good one to take a look at, and you know, I, I I've heard this a, a few places, and I agree with it that as as bad as the Cardinals were last season, uh, not not only was it mostly due to the the pitching performances and some bad luck they, they lost a lot of close games early in the season when they, it seemed like they lost every day for a couple of months straight the the offense wasn't bad at all uh nolan gorman 
a, a, a big part of that, right? 27 home runs in, in 464 plate appearances, 119 games. That's what he's being projected for right now, at least by Steamer. Uh, right? One less game, one less home run in, in 2024. I don't know that we get to the 600. It's it's much more possible. Uh, probably right in the middle. Uh, we'll give it a five on the one to nine scale, right right in the middle due to the injury history. They would love for him to be out there every day. If he's healthy, he gets to the 600. Uh, I just, I even if he is healthy, they're probably, it, it, and I think this, Actually, was probably in uh, I, I in Jeff Zimmerman's mining the news that we brought up several times on this episode that they're going to take it easy on him early in the season. Uh, but yeah, I, I I believe this this number wholeheartedly. I think he could get there. Health's the only thing that's going to hold him back. Unfortunately, we're pretty sure health is going to hold him back early. Yeah, this is uh is the one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of factors that can go into hitting 600 uh, for him. It's simply health. Um, it's his role. It's his job. He's a lefty in that lineup. So there's not a lot of whole other things holding him back. Uh, I mean, steam regular steamer projection has them, you know, at 511 played appearances. So not far off from that 600. And if I'm not mistaken, right. that playing time comes from roster resource from Jason over there and, and, and they're not making it up on their own, but at the same time that that's a secondary source saying, Hey, you know, th- that's pretty close to what you're looking at. And with in those 511 plate appearances, they're looking at uh, 28, ho- 26 home runs compared to the 600 plate appearances, getting them 31. Uh, so of course that's a rate stat ultimately. And so not a surprise, but that's not far. Off. I mean, five, five extra home runs based on that extra playing time uh, still worth targeting for sure, especially at second base. You're not going to get 25 home runs plus from a whole lot of second basemen out there. Um, Byron Buxton, I don't know if it's worth talking about. You can't go into negative numbers, Kevin. You do have to rank it on a one through nine. Uh, But if he does hit 600, we all know what he can do, what he's kind of done in pieces. Uh, but Steamer 600 has him at 31 home runs as well. Uh, yeah. How, you know, how you feeling? He's he's, he's, he's reached a Steamer 400 one time in his career. (laughs) And that was seven years ago. He has never come close to 600 plate appearances and Steamer projects him for 532, which would be his career high. This happens every year, though. I feel like Steamer's when, regular wow, projection. Minnesota, <laughs> yeah, and Minnesota is doing it. I've been saying this for years and it always hasn't worked out the way I hoped it would, even when the teams did do what I wanted them to going back to Miguel Cabrera when we first started this podcast, but why are they going to try to roll him out there as a center fielder as at least that's what they're saying they're going to do in 2024. That just, yes, you said we can't go negative. I said, I didn't want to give anybody a one. Then I did give it to wisdom due to, He's really only going to face lefties, but uh, yeah, we got to go one with Buxton here. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's never happened in in a nine nine season career. Hasn't even gotten close, and they're they want him to play center field in twenty twenty four. Unfortunately, I would love to see him 
just get out there for the 532 plate appearances they haven't projected for. We we know what we he's going to fill up our county stats in in those plate appearances. The batting average has come down uh, over the past couple of years. They're actually projecting him for a little bit of a bounce back there, probably due to they're they're projecting him to be healthy. They're giving him 126 games. Unfortunately, we're yeah. probably not going to see that. Um, I hope we do, but we're probably not. I, I hope it's not true this year, but like last year, I, I understand them saying they're going to trot him out to the center field. They're going to have to do that out of necessity because Byron Buxton is not the only one who gets hurt in, <laughs> oh. in the Minnesota Twins rot- and, uh, lineup. Oh. Between, I mean, Royce Lewis, you know, knock on as much wood as I possibly can in his injury history. Well, Kirilov has put, has put forth, um, you know, a whole bunch of Miranda, a whole bunch of other situations there that are going to force them to utilize the DH spot by multiple players um, and not just clog it up with one guy in Buxton. Does that mean they want to get as much out of Buxton as possible and get them into the lineup at the expense of putting them in the field? Or does it mean he just gets a day off here or there? Um, either way, it's going to hurt this opportunity to come close to it. His career highs, 511 plate appearances. Did that in 2017. Um, so he's gotten close, I guess. You know, Adam, I, <laughs> I, I said I was finally done drafting Byron Buxton. And then what's everybody do? They let him drop to the 20th round in 15 team leagues on me. So <laughs> I, I've been drafting him again. Uh, he's UT only, Kevin. <laughs> oh man, twentieth round, twentieth round. I get it, I get it, I get it. I mean, you're gonna. That's where you're he's picking your. Latest, that's where you're picking your utility player anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's won his latest three sixty four. By that time, your starting lineup's already filled yeah, in. That's sure. a bench bat. <laughs> All right, uh, last last power bat I'll talk about here. Um, and I I mentioned because he's still in the top twenty one for home runs on Steamer six hundred. Um, I grabbed him in our last listener league, our 15 teamer as well um, as my fifth outfielder, maybe my fourth. I'm not sure. Uh, my outfield was pretty hurting in that league. Uh, but I'm talking about Hunter Goodman, uh, 21st most home runs in Steamer 600 with 30. Uh, a name that, you know, a lot of people probably haven't really thought about or heard about um, maybe even before hearing me say his name on, on this podcast. Uh, but with this kind of projection, if he were to get the playing time, is it somebody we should be paying attention? To? I think so. Um, it it this is intriguing. Roster resource has him at uh, being in the everyday lineup. Uh, I think in the six or seven spot. Uh, Steamer's given him four hundred sixty five plate appearances. Uh, uh, depth charts. Uh, about 30 more than that, 40 more than that. So even without going to the steamer 600, he's still projected for mid twenties home runs, uh, non zero stolen bases, but close enough to zero Colorado. I I talked a lot about this last year. I haven't brought it up much this year. Uh, pretty similar schedule. It's not like two years ago where we we were blessed with they were home for a week, away for a week, home for a week. Uh, They do have seven weeks in 2024 where they are at home all week long. And for those in NFBC formats and and others, other sites that, that do allow you to change lineups on Friday, there's only one or two Thursday games 
where they're not in the same location they were monday through wednesday so we we do have the advantage of if you want to have to pay attention and maintain your lineups with your Colorado players, uh, it, it can be done again in 2024, similar to 2023. I'm avoiding Rockies in in weekly lineups, uh, but it, in in leagues where I can change my lineup on Friday or daily change leagues, I, I think someone like like uh, Goodman here is. Uh, worth taking a shot on as late as you can get him right yeah i mean you love to see a bat come forth in colorado you hate to see a prospect come forth in colorado uh <laughs> you just i mean this has sam hilliard without the speed written all over it for me even though i just draft him at least in one spot and i'll probably draft him again if he you know stays where he's at and my outfield is kind of desperate at that point in the draft um but yeah, you know, you worry about the fact that he's under the age of 35 <laughs> and that he's playing for Colorado. Uh, you know, we'll see how he does. Um, it, the fact that it is funny. It's like one of the very few roster resource roster pages that has zero uh, platoons um, being projected. There's no <laughs> platoons at all. No. Really? I mean, Colorado. I mean, who knows what they do? Uh, but we'll see how he I mean, he he. He, he didn't make a name for himself last season, and that's why I was talking. That's why I was saying, you know, this might be the first time you're hearing the name if you know you're not paying attention, or or maybe even if you are. I mean, two, batting 277 plate appearances at the end of last season, hitting just one bomb. Um, he's got he's had plenty of power throughout the minors, though, so that very well with enough playing time should translate. So I understand the 30 home runs and 600 plate appearances that the projection is giving him. Uh, we'll see if he translates that. Uh, you didn't give a number. That, I don't know. Did you give a number one through nine? Oh, how, I did how not close? give a number. Like it, It's important uh, to know, like, hey, if it does translate, if that power from the miners does translate over the course of an entire season, like, how, should we be paying attention only if I'm, he's I'm actually going to get that? I, I, I think with some other teams that, that, that would have a need at his position, I, I think I could get on board and and almost count on 600. Rocky's going to Rocky, so we'll go a little over the halfway point, give it a six. Sure. Um, yeah, he is a right-handed bat, but they don't have any lefties on the bench right. to platoon him with, so we'll see. Um, all right, we got some speed guys to talk about, and then we do have some pitchers to talk about as well. We are going to take another quick break, though, and we'll get right back at it. All right, let's start with your... Uh, th- this is what you talked about, Kevin, earlier. When you look at the Steamer 600, you look at the stolen base list. That's what we're going to we're going to look at. We're going to look at the stolen base leaders of note. Um, and, of course, like I said, Billy Hamilton leads it, doesn't have a team, probably won't have a team, uh, but... He- at the top of that list so one can dream right uh third on the list though uh is your boy darian blanco with 54 stolen bases if given the opportunity to get up to that 600 plate appearance mark um you know the royals have always been a team that we've talked about as being a team that's willing to run regardless of manager it's all about talent it's all about the who's who's actually on the roster and they've been rostering some guys who know how to run. Um, they don't always know how to stay healthy, uh, but they know how to run when they are. Can, 
can Blanco find his way? And he was the guy that we were talking about last year, um, a, a couple of our shows when he was still available. Um, it, is he going like, all right, for what's the ranking one through nine? Um, and then is it somebody that can still, even if they're not a nine, is there somebody who we can still kind of uh, hang our hat on as far as stolen bases go? Because those are something that we can, we can stream that stat pretty you know, easily sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I should have never mentioned I don't want to give a guy a one early in the show. The, the, the possibility of getting 600 plate appearances for Blanco is a one. Uh, that He does not have a starting role going into the season. However, this, I mean, this is the guy that when he, in, in AAA last year, stole 47 bases mm-hmm. in 49 games, right? And it, it wasn't, I mean, he hadn't had that rate, but he'd stole 46 in 2022, 41 in 2021. I mean, he's, he is 30 years old now, but, but he has not slowed down. He knows how to steal bases. He loves these rules. He doesn't need the plate appearances, right? He had 138 plate appearances last year for 24 stolen bases. That sounds amazing, right? That's it was in 69 ratio. games. Yep. Nice. This is the kind of guy we talk about throughout the, the season. He doesn't have to be in the starting lineup when we're streaming stolen bases or if Kyle Isbell goes down or uh, doesn't perform. Maybe he's the guy that does get the shot. Uh, he does get on base at, at, at a decent clip. Um, and so if if we see him getting more and more playing time, then he's somebody worth rostering. He's already somebody worth keeping an eye on for streaming for stolen bases throughout the season. Uh, anytime the Royals have a seven-game week, I would count on at least a stolen base or two out of Darren Blanco for the week. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something we're going to be talking about throughout the course of the season. We've talked about it the last couple of years. Uh, you can stream any category. It's not just pitchers. Um, and you can stream stolen bases almost easier than you can other categories because it's the like if you are being a pinch runner that you're being put in to do one thing. It's like score you know, run, yeah, and yes. You're, you're most likely if you're put in to pinch run and there's a base open in front of you, there's a reason um, that you were chosen to do that. Uh, and there's a couple of guys that we'll talk about throughout the course of the season that you know can be putting themselves in that situation and at no expense to all the other categories. Like they can't hurt your batting average if they're not actually getting plate appearances, right? Uh, over they, over two levels last season, he did not have 300 at bats. Yeah. He was 71 for 82 in stolen bases. Sure. Absolutely. At AAA and Major League Baseball combined. Yeah. That is insane. I mean, it's somebody we talk about too. You need the opportunities to steal bases. So even if he is getting plated appearances, he's you know he's projected at under a twenty four percent strikeout rate. He's got a respectable seven percent walk rate. Like he's still finding a way on base, even if it's not a pinch runner. So it's somebody I really I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to, um, especially in you know in my in my weekly formats where I just need that stolen base to get the category in in a head to head category situation, um, and then. You know, if I'm trying to chip away at the stolen base category um, in my roto leagues as well, but I think it's really 
if you're really just trying to get that win, if you're playing in head-to-head win categories uh, leagues or just head-to-head categories and you want to win five to four or you want to win six to four, um, you want to guarantee you, you, the, the jump up. You stream him for a day or two. He gets you that stolen base. You drop him back down. You do it all again next week um, if you know if possible. If nobody else catches and on to what you're doing. <laughs> I, I haven't dove into all of the early season schedules yet, but I have begun to look at schedules. Just talked about Colorado a little bit. Uh, the Royals play a lot of games out of the gate. Uh, so this may be somebody you want to spend that that last draft pick on uh, in anticipation of the first full week of the season. They have a seven-game schedule, uh, two six-game weeks, and then another seven-game week. So a lot of games, a lot of opportunities in that first four full weeks of the season. All right. Uh, another name that has come up recently, uh, Jorge Mateo. Um of the Baltimore Orioles. He is on the list. Fifth most stolen bases. If given 600 plate appearances, 44. Um, all right. What's the ranking one through nine. We obviously he's on a Baltimore roster where playing time in his situation is going to be hard to come by. We're all chump. Well, maybe not all of us, but I know I'm chomping at the bed of Jackson holiday coming up and taking over that shortstop role every day. Uh, as I have him on, more than 50% of my roster so far. And I mean, obviously between Gunnar Henderson and uh, all the other guys that are either already there, you got Urias, Ramon Urias is still there. Your boy. Uh, I mean, is the playing, is, is it even possible? I know you're going to say the same thing. Like you shouldn't have said that you wouldn't give a one, but mm-hmm. is, is, is there any, is there, what kind of scenario are we seeing where Mateo actually can, you know, kind of take advantage of, what he's done in the past and kind of show off. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's never gotten close. 533, the closest in his career. So yeah, uh, it, it is a one, unfortunately. And, you know, as, as good as he has been uh, at stolen bases, getting over 30 for us each of the past two seasons and in only 350 plate appearances 116 games last season unfortunately i think both of those two numbers are coming down due to everything you just said baltimore very crowded infield um so he is a a lesser version of darian blanco he doesn't get on base at the same rate but when he does, he's a threat. He will be a utility guy. He will be used as a pinch runner late in games. So in deep leagues, he may be someone we can use in that same manner. However, uh, it, it's the, the numbers pretty much across the board other than he can run into a couple more home runs. I think everything else is, is worse for Mateo. Unfortunately, after that amazing start he had last season, it almost looked like we had an everyday infielder there Mm -hmm. for a good month and a half. And I was excited about that. In fact, I, it, I, I offered, it was at the time, uh, Clay Holmes was, was struggling a little bit. I offered Clay Holmes for Mateo straight up in a league, got turned down two weeks later. (laughs) 
<laughs> the, yeah. and he's a Yankee fan. He came back and said, "Hey, you still want to do Mateo for <laughs> Holmes?" I was like, "No, I not was particularly." A gamble, no. and I, <laughs> I was taking a big gamble, and you saved me from myself. I'm not making that trade now. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's go down. The last three guys on the stolen base list here are all, I think they're all rookie eligible. I don't think any of these guys hit that that mark. So um, playing time, obviously, for younger guys is always going to be a question mark. Uh, none of these guys really have particular you know, injury histories from what I can tell. But um, tell me which one of these three guys you think can kind of back their way into something closer to 600. Um between Forrest Wall by Atlanta, uh, you got uh, Victor Scott of St. Louis, uh, both outfielders here, and then David Hamilton, infielder slash second baseman uh, for the Boston Red Sox, who, you know, all these guys created something for themselves last year, even in a very uh, small amount, small amount, um, specifically with Forrest Wall and David Hamilton uh, with their teams. Um Wall, sixth most stolen bases on the 600 with 39. Uh, Victor Scott, if given 600 plate appearances, would be at 38. Same thing with David Hamilton, uh, eighth on the list as well. Do you like, I mean, as of right now, as I'm looking at it, Forrest Wall, fourth outfielder for Atlanta, um, has literally no power, but a whole lot of stolen bases in, the, in his minor league career. Uh, David Hamilton, as we saw with Boston, could just run wild if given the opportunity. Um, he was kind of up and down with Red Sox as well. Victor Scott in St. Louis has always had, and still even losing Tyler O'Neill, not a whole lot of opportunities in that outfield, um, even with guys that we talked about earlier kind of vying for uh, coming back from injury or surgeries or what have you. Um, who do you like most to you know get as much playing time as possible to actually be relevant in your everyday lineup, rather, never mind, you know, as a as a uh, streamer. Yeah, all of these guys are are ones on the ranking. That the one I am the most excited about that just was it, he he was one of the guys that you just couldn't take your eyes off of in Arizona. That's Victor Scott. Mm-hmm. He not only is he at extremely fast. Uh, it, it appeared he knew exactly what he was doing on the base pass, whether it was a stolen base attempt or running the bases. Uh, and even when he was not hitting home runs, he was hitting the ball with authority. He was driving the baseball. I mean, this, this guy looks like he could be a superstar. Yes, the outfield's full right now. Tommy Edmond, we know his injury history. Uh, he he says he's going to be ready to go for spring training with with the I think it was a wrist issue he had most recently. We all love Nor- Lars Newbar, I believe, or most of us do. Jordan Walker as well. Uh, at it at any any sign that there's a spot that that Victor Scott can play, he, I think he's going to play his way into this lineup fairly early in the season. I know it's crowded. Things happen. Um, you know, draft skills, not roles. We've heard from Ron Chandler and the, and the baseball HQ guys for years. Victor Scott has the skills and I, I will see him at some point and, and that, that sky's the limit with this guy. Yeah. I mean, the only thing he's got working against him, he, he is a non-roster invitee to spring training. Like you said, he was in Arizona, but he's not on the 40 man. 
Um, right. I don't think that's really hurting him per se, as long as he actually puts forth the effort. We saw the same thing with Jordan Walker. We saw the, you know, St. Louis is willing to do it if, you know, if it makes sense, at least from a production standpoint. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, with the with the addition of Von Grissom in Boston, it hurts David Hamilton's opportunity or chances of carving out anything close to an everyday or even a strong platoon role um, in Boston. Um, Forrest Wall is, you know, obviously with Jared Kalanick, uh, doesn't really bring anything else to the table be, like besides the stolen base opportunity. He needs those opportunities. Um, I, I don't foresee uh, Atlanta being the type of team <laughs> that puts somebody in as a pinch runner or the, or needing to put in a guy as a pinch runner to steal a base late in a game uh, to be that kind of guy that we were talking that Blanco could be, um, that even Mateo could be really. Um, but I mean, I, I think that you, if there was a, if there was anything that was going to get Forrest Wall more playing time, it was going to be some kind. It's going to be some kind of injury, or you're going to see somebody like Kellenic just fall flat in his face once again, um, where he needs to be, you know, handheld a little bit more. And that maybe Forrest Wall, since he's already on the roster or expected to be on that starting roster, he's the first man in to like take advantage of that. But um, even in that situation he's not the kind of guy, the guy that I'm seeing taking advantage of those limited opportunities um, to, to where he's going to be valuable. All right. We got, we got a list of pitchers here, Kevin. So I'm going to, I'm going to rattle these up. Cause I think, mm, all right, that's not true. I was going to say most of them are injury related of why they are not going to hit 200 innings, but it's really just the two, the first two guys, uh, Carlos Rodon, Chris sale. So I will bunch those two guys together first. Uh, Carlos Rodon would have, we're doing this by strikeouts, the eighth most strikeouts. If, if everybody had 200 innings at 238, Chris Sale now with Atlanta, 10th most strikeouts at 231. So both these guys in the 230 range, 240 range in strikeouts there. I mean, again, one through nine, any chance that either one of these guys finds their, finds a groove, stays healthy. You know, if they can hit 200 innings, you know that this is what they can do. If, um, but do you have any, is it worth the gamble where they're going in drafts that they can get anywhere close to that? No, is the, the easy, quick answer to that question. Five guys hit 200 innings in 2023. I think we continue to see that number go down. Um, the, the highest number of innings pitched, uh, was 216 by Logan Webb, Zach Gallon, 210. Uh, at two of the five were at 200 even and 201 and a third in Chris Bassett and, and Miles Mikolas. So none of these guys are going to get to 200. I think 180 is the new 200. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't be shocked if that adjustment is made on these steamer 600 I, rankings yeah. over the next year or two. Uh, I could see them doing that. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it it is health for sale and Rodon. I think I I I expect a bounce back for Rodon. Uh I expect Sale to perform when healthy in Atlanta. Sale was Sale was better than I realized last season. I mean, I remember him being good when he did pitch and was healthy. Uh going back and look at it, it he was even better than I remember. So and 
I, I like, I, I really do for one reason or another. And considering their draft costs, I like every guy you have on this list. Uh, I, I, depending on how the rest of my draft is going, what I'm doing with my pitching staff at the time, how things are looking, uh, especially when I am looking for strikeouts, knowing that on a per appearance basis, uh, I am going to expect, you know, five, six, even more. And, oh, you're going to make me play my game. I see you typing at them. Uh, your game, I should say. Uh, I, I really, uh, yeah, I, I, I could draft any one of these guys at some point. All right. Well, so I'm going to lump the next three guys together. And yeah, we're going to play ask or like impromptu ask, uh, avoid stream and keep because all these guys, they were, they made their debuts last year, 2023. Um, they're not all guaranteed to be in their team's rotations come opening day. And I'm mostly looking at you, Emmett Sheehan, uh, with the Dodgers, uh, Kyle Harrison, Andrew Abbott, maybe a little bit more of a guarantee that they are on that opening day starting five. Um, but yeah, am, they, both of them in the top, all three of these guys, top 26 in potential strikeouts at 200 innings. Uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to ask you if they're going to hit 200 innings. We all know none of these guys are going to hit 200 innings. Um, but if she and Harrison and Abbott all did, they'd be at the two, they'd be ranking up 219 to 225 strikeouts respectively, according to the steamer 600. Um, I don't have their ADP in front of me, but I think you should take that into consideration. Um, I'm going to ask you though, of these three guys, Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers, Kyle Harrison of the Giants and Andrew Abbott of Cincinnati. Uh, you've got to avoid one of them. You're going to stream the other and you've got to draft one of these guys in a gladiator. Not that you can draft gladiators anymore. They're all sold out. <laughs> But uh, if you if you had the opportunity, uh, that's where you'd have to draft them. So uh, what's your take on these three guys in that scenario? Without looking at ADP, which I am looking really quickly here, but without, this is pretty straightforward for me. So hopefully that ADP doesn't make it that obvious. Um, I like Kyle Harrison in San Francisco. Uh, I think he has the best uh, opportunity to be in the rotation from the get-go. Love the ballpark, love what we saw from him last season, and have loved him coming up uh, as a prospect. So Kyle Harrison is my keep. Uh, Sheehan, as you just brought up, as we uh, had uh, talked about the Dodgers, probably looking at, they might not call it a six-man rotation, but it probably is. Now, he is somebody that could easily, on a regular basis, fill that sixth, the role of that sixth guy. In fact, I think Roster Resource has him listed fifth right now in the rotation. Uh, but because of those question marks, because of the way the Dodgers work historically, uh, he he's he's my streamer. Unfortunately, Andrew Abbott, who I do like as well uh, by default, that that leaves him as uh, my avoid. Um, and these guys are going fairly close in AB, ADP. Sheehan over the last sixteen DCs in the two twenties. Abbott in the 250s, Kyle Harrison about 270. So I I kind of have Sheehan and and Harrison flip flopped as far as ADP goes. 
Uh, that makes me like it even better. I'm I was just going to say I'm that makes a better it. price. <laughs> uh, makes me like it even better. I, I'm getting the better price there. So uh, it, it looks like the market uh, believes Sheehan uh, may have more opportunity, which, like I said, I, I believe roster resource has him in the rotation, even if they go five man at the moment. Uh, so that's understandable. Uh, but yeah, I like all three of these guys actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, Ross Resource does have Sheen as the number five guy there. Um, I don't think anybody in that, even in a five-man rotation for the Dodgers, is is pitching every fifth day uh, throughout the course of the season. So I don't think it matters per se. Um, Kyle Harrison on the other end uh, as the number three in that rotation for the Giants uh, with you know new management, um, with him getting himself you know a year under his belt or most of a year under his belt at the major league level. Um, I agree wholeheartedly that he has the opportunity um, or the best opportunity of these three guys to stick in that rotation, go five innings every day, you know, injuries aside, uh, turn off injuries uh, and and see him in April and September uh, in that rotation. So I agree with that sentiment for sure. Uh, Last two guys here, you know, no, I won't, I won't lump them together because the last name doesn't deserve to be lumped with anybody. Uh, this, we will go with simply Joe Boyle. I'm going to leave it at that. No other words, uh, just the words, Joe Boyle, Kevin, should we care about Joe Boyle? Because if he hits 200 innings, he could get you 216 strikeouts. You're muted. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, he got to about a hundred last season o- over the multiple levels. Uh, so no, he's not going to get. I, I guess more like 130, actually. But still, he's he's not going to make that jump. Uh, if we if we do see him uh, for more than you know 110, 120, if he does get to the 135 or maybe even 150, uh, Steamer hasn't projected for 135. That's where I got that number. Uh, if we see that. Yeah, the the strikeout numbers, we love the ballpark. Not going to get a lot of wins, unfortunately. And and that is something that that I am taking into consideration, even when drafting guys this late in a draft. Uh, It's it's just the point that that we've gotten to with starting pitching and as few of the guys that, that get many wins, you know, uh, it's something we do have to take into account. Uh, so as, as a streamer throughout the season, absolutely uh, somebody we'll keep an eye on in good matchups, especially at home. I I, I could take him in a, in a draft champions league because I, I do feel we'll, we will get those 135 that steamer projects, maybe even a little more with the strikeouts in that good ballpark. And, you know, and he's, being drafted in the mid 400s as late as the mid 500s uh in recent weeks in the draft champions leagues so he's somebody to consider uh i've only done one draft champions league uh so far this season and i don't i don't believe i took him uh i say i don't believe because uh, some things going back i've been looking at my drafts recently adam and i was shocked to find there is one player that I have drafted in every single league I've drafted. And I was shocked. I had no idea I'd been drafting him that often. And I, I guess where I'm getting him, I'm, I'm happy with it 
that's that's Bryce Miller in, in okay. Seattle. Had no idea I had him on every team so far. Nice. All right. Yeah, I got one. Just Robert Stevenson. He's the only guy I dropped in every every round. Got a couple of guys that I only miss out in one, but Stevenson's the only one. I have him everywhere. It's hard if you play in these different formats. It's hard to hit that right. It's like because especially if you yeah. play in a gladiator and then you also play in a DC or or family, they're just the gladiator throws everything off uh, because usually like that 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 guy you draft in every league you could just get in the late round like he's just your late round target and you want him everywhere you want to see what he can do um the gladiators throw that off uh so it, right. I, i'm not surprised and that the, it's only one guy people people talk about di- diversification if you're drafting multiple leagues especially early rounds in early rounds your draft position dictates that right sure. you're you're going to have a, a diversity of players that you're that you're drafting in the early rounds because unless you get the same draft yeah. spot in every league, it's it's just not possible. Well, no, that, it's only if you get the first pick every round. Like, right. I mean, those <laughs> those top even seven picks are gonna they're gonna they're gonna change based on whatever league you're in as well. So right. you don't always have that opportunity. The last <laughs> guy on the list I have in every league except one, but you had something to do with that. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was my. It was the only league I got him in too, except for my <laughs> mock draft, uh, which I don't really count. Uh, of course, we're talking about Cole Reagans uh, in Kansas City. Um, I, I I do think I'm underestimating how many innings he actually will put up, Kevin. And but at the same time, he's still not hitting 200, just like everybody else on this list. I was surprised, based on everything we've seen, everything we've heard, that he's still only going to be projected. He's 43rd on this list in strikeouts um, at 209 over 200 innings. Um, was that a surprising number to you? I kind of I expected it to be a little bit higher. Um, if you could see Cole Reagan's actually getting to 200, not only from the talent level in the production that we saw, um, but also playing in that division um, and then also play. And I know it's, it's a little bit more balanced than it used to be, but it, there's still a little bit of weight to it. There's still gonna, he's still going to play the Tigers a couple more times. He's still going to play um, everybody else in that central division a couple more times, un, except for the you know the Royals. Um, and, and and just knowing that if there's something there's something that's got to be said about if you're actually going to hit 200, that means you you've gotten a rhythm throughout the course of the season that means you're healthy that means you're like you're going six innings into most games it seems as though that has to play a factor and i know mathematically maybe it doesn't it's more like a mental game or a mental aspect of these projections that is hard to quantify um, but it does seem like somebody like reagan's if they got into that kind of a rhythm would be able to crank up the 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 strikeout percentage a little bit more it, am i overthinking this or wh- what's your thoughts on reagan's if he actually were to hit 200 innings i would agree well with what you said and steamer actually has him getting close uh over uh combining the the minor leagues and his time in major league baseball last season uh he did get up to over 120 innings uh, he had over 130 uh, in 2022 across three levels, and so, and and his appearances, you know, 
at throughout the the years were he, he started off not going deep into games early in the season, I guess is what I'm trying to say and fumbling my words there uh, and built up. So uh, Steamer only hasn't projected for 29 starts. So they're building in, you know, about a, a, a three to four start um, IL stint probably. And, and I think you almost have to plan on that for almost everybody, but they haven't projected for near that 180 mark. We've talked about mm-hmm. 186 strikeouts in those. So uh, a couple of an, another start, maybe two, a slight bump in the strikeout percentage with, they have him projected at 24 and a half percent. He was at 28. 0.8 almost 29% last season. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think we can maybe not expect but realistically uh uh look towards a, an upside of getting pretty well into the 200s for strikeouts on the season health uh, if he stays healthy, of course. Yeah, it, it, it's one thing to look at the total innings that is being projected. It's another thing, as you just pointed out, to look at the game start or the games played even and kind of do the math yeah, they're from projecting there. them for over six, six innings per start. Game. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that does that, that gives a little bit more credence to your assumption that they're kind of baking in an idea that he's going to be on the IL for, you know, maybe once or twice on this in the season, maybe their minimum stays, maybe it's just one long stay. We'll see. Um, but yeah, if you look at that number for somebody else, and you know you have mo- you know much many more starts, same amount of innings, then maybe it's more of a projection that this team is going to you know pull them a little bit earlier, um, or they're going to manipulate how many how many you know if they're going to get an opener or stuff like that. Uh, so it's something you have to really look at, and not just look at the total innings, and when you're looking at these projections as well. So um, that was a good call out there. I like that a lot. Um, all right, so we t- there's a lot of interesting stuff in the Steamer 600s. We look forward to seeing all the other projections kind of trickle their way out. I think Ariel announced that, uh, Ariel Cohen, that is, uh, announced that ATC's projections should be coming out next Thursday. Uh, so look forward to that. I'm sure the Bat and the Bat X will come out shortly after or before. They usually come out pretty close in time on an annual basis. Um, but no announcement that I've seen, Kevin, that a lot of information still to come. Our PLV projections will be coming out uh, with the update to Pitcher List. Uh, so you need to subscribe to the PL Pro or PL Plus for to access those things as well. A lot of information still to unpack. Kevin, you've got some 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 big shoes to fill of your own where you know you got those champion leagues that you gotta you gotta make sure you're prepping for because we want to make sure that we see you um in that in that room next year as if anybody's not aware go join the and the, the nfbc uh discord and you'll learn all about um what the champions league is and you know how to sign up for that uh which if you know that if you were going to play in all those leagues anyway there's really no reason not to um exactly so there you go anything else you want to you know attack on at the end here kevin as we continue to grind through January and get closer and closer to spring training. Um, this kind of builds on what we were looking at with steamer 600. It can be a great way to, to do this. Uh, we, we talk about it quite a bit. I don't think this is anything that anybody doesn't know, uh, as usual, a, a reminder playing time, 
is is something to to make sure you agree with the playing time or or have realistic reasons to change the playing time when we're looking at all these projections as more and more start to roll out. Great example, uh, Mike Curland put this out on Twitter not long ago when he when he posted the Kansas City Royals lineup. Uh, they they have Michael Garcia uh, hitting towards the bottom of the lineup, and that's probably not the case. He's probably the leadoff hitter. That is a huge jump in plate appearances. Also, they haven't projected for 125 games. He's the everyday third baseman. He'll get a day off here and there, of course. I'm not saying he's going to play 160, but I'm saying he's probably going to play 140 plus rather than the 125 he's projected for. But between those two scenarios, hitting at the top of the lineup and the added games, this gets him to over 600 plate appearances rather than the 496 that he is uh, projected for by steamer. So this is the kind of thing it it's time consuming, but it, it's, it's something to look at team by team. Uh, because when you when you look at that steam, steamer 600 you'll notice it has everybody projected for the same amount of games to get to those 600 plate appearances so if you're taking the the spot in the lineup into consideration if you're playing every day the difference between hitting ninth and hitting first can be 150 plate appearances over the season uh, uh quite a bit more than i think some people might realize so definitely take a look at playing time uh, when you're taking a look at all these projections as more and more uh, roll out here over the next week or two. Excellent. Excellent. Good, good segue into kind of tying everything together, Kevin, uh, as always. Um, but that is going to wrap it up for episode 146 of on the wire. You can follow myself on Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasty Kevin. Of course, follow the pod at on the wire pod. And after all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hastings, thanks for listening, and we bid you goodbye.